release in the morning. From director George A. Romero comes a dynamic gothic original. Martin is a misunderstood young man who happens to be a vampire. Maybe. The sun really just bothers his eyes a little. Garlic and crosses have no effect, and he has no fangs. He also doesn't have any vampiric powers, which makes acquiring blood an extremely harrowing experience for all involved. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. This week, as we continue our journey through uh, George A. Romero Tribute Month, we're taking a look at his 1976 film, Martin. Yes, 1976, because fuck you, IMDb, for giving me the wrong year once again. Yeah, it said at the end of the DVD that it was from 1976, so we're going to get 1976. I don't care what any other sources say. Uh, This film stars John Amplis... Uh, Lincoln Mazel and Tom Savini, uh, sort of. He makes a few cameos in it. Yeah, some, some names you may or may not have heard. But, you know, let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. What should we start with? Let's start with the negative first so we can talk about how great this movie is. All right. So for me, number three on the bottom. Martin may be the worst serial killer in history. He touches everything. He doesn't wear gloves. He does quote-unquote sexy stuff with his victims. Leaves chemicals in their bodies. Takes a, while, takes a while to incapacitate the people in the first place. And then he calls into radio shows and confesses his life to them. I mean, seriously, if this were modern day, he'd have been fucking caught the first week. Thank God Reddit wasn't around when this movie came out. Number two. Tadakuda is a straight-up grade-A asshole to Martin, talking down to him, yelling at him, trying to have an exorcism performed on him. But you know what? His assholery never seems to amaze me. And it's not even just to Martin. He's like that to his granddaughter and even to his fucking priest. He asks the priest a question, and he goes, No, that's the wrong answer. You, you give different answers to old people. They don't want to hear that. Fuck you, Kuda. He is a dick. Number one. In the end, the only death that's attributed to Martin is the only one that he didn't cause directly. It's sad in a way to see such a dynamic character meet his end due to superstition and false beliefs. And, you know, Kuda being a fucking asshole. Yeah, most definitely. For number three, my wife, who normally enjoys horror films, is really put off by the scenes of sexual assault and forceful injections with chemicals I don't blame her, but it was difficult for her to watch it. And I might just be a weirdo, but it didn't bother me as much. Number two, I agree with you. His uncle was an asshole. He was a bad person. Cousin. Whatever. Cousin, uncle, Yeah, I know. His cousin, uncle. It doesn't make sense because it's like his uncle's granddaughter is the same same age as Martin or maybe even a little older than him. But anyways, he was a dick. And he d- did dickish things, especially at the end of the movie. Which leads me to my last one. At the end of the movie, Martin is killed. He's impaled with a stake, just like a vampire. And while it's a poetic end, it's also really sad and really tragic. It's kind of like Ben in Nightmare, and in, in uh, Night, Night of the Living, Living Dead, Dead, which... 
as we all know, is one of the saddest things to ever happen in any movie. So, let's talk about the top three, the good of this movie. And there's a lot of good in this movie. So, for me, number three, this movie seems to pass in the blink of an eye. With an engaging story and great scenery, it never has a moment that you're, you know, thinking, man, I wish something would happen, or, oh, can we just get this over with? It's constantly engaging you in one way or another, and I love that. Number two, the twist on vampires that George Romero takes is very different, and in a way, it's quite mysterious. Is Martin really a vampire who only needs blood to survive, but has none of the mythical or magical qualities normally associated with the creature? Or is he just a mentally unstable young man and believes that he needs blood? It's it's a great question. Indeed. And of course, number one, Martin himself is a very interesting character. Between his quiet demeanor and his family and professional life, his very talkative nature whenever he calls into the radio... And his strange cat burglar-like qualities and murderous tendencies, there are just so many layers to him that you can never quite figure out who's the true Martin. Or are they all the true Martin? Very well put. All right, number three, the background music in this, in this film, along with the, the images of the city, match the mood of every scene perfectly. There are scenes where Martin is just walking through the city, you can feel the loneliness and alienation that he feels through each shot with, with a mix of the decrepit city and the somber music. It's really well put together. Number two, the plot of Martin is extremely unique. A young man believes he's a vampire in modern day, or 1970s, and struggles to live a normal life. Martin's signature style of putting his victims to sleep through chemical injections and cutting them and to drain their blood was unique, to say the least. And it was obvious that he had had come up with this method through trial and error. You also really, like Corey said, never know for sure whether Martin is actually a vampire, although George Romero has gone on record saying that he personally believes that Martin is just a lonely and confused kid. What the fuck does he know about this movie? Yeah, it's not like he wrote and directed it or anything like that. You know, his opinion don't matter. And number one, this movie explores a ton of different themes through its seemingly simplistic plot. Martin is such a, such a unique and diverse character. He really expresses the alienation and loneliness of youth, as well as the conflicts that stem from, uh, that stem between different generations, their beliefs and mindsets, and just even different economic situations from one to the other. Almost every line of dialogue has a bigger meaning in the context of the film as a whole. So speaking of the dialogue, you've heard the top and bottom three. Let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. So we'll quote this movie back and forth. I think I'll start us off this week. I've been told you're an imbecile. Can you speak? I'm your cousin, Martin. You want me for sex, don't you? I'm always very careful with the needle. I will not shame this family, but the devil can take my soul. You see, it isn't magic. Even I know that. Come, we must catch another train. People always go so they can forget where they were. 
And that ends this episode's edition of Quote War. If you have a favorite quote from this movie, or you want to tell us who won this episode's edition of Quote War or anything else, you can leave us a comment here on SoundCloud or at our website, bmoviebros.com. I think it's time that we give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave this a 1 out of 10. I also gave it a 1 out of 10. Very simply put, Martin is a movie which has just about anything one could ask for. An engaging storyline, great cinematography, good dialogue, multi-layered characters. I really could go on and on about it. It never ceases to amaze me that I discover something new about this film every time I watch it. Which has been quite a few times. If you like vampire movies and you've never seen this one, you really need to check it out. It is a must-see film, which is unique in many different ways. Martin is one of George Romero's lesser-known films, and in my opinion, his most overrated film of all time. The social commentary regarding contemporary issues of the 1970s America was presented in a realistic, relatable, and creative style. The titular character, Martin, embodies the confusion and loneliness of youth. Misunderstood by his hyper-religious family, he's labeled as a vampire, which could realistically be, be switched out for labels such as sinner, heathen, or blasphemer. He is both shunned and feared by those around him, leaving the, the young man with no guidance and forcing him to face the confusion and chaos of a post-industrial society. To escape the loneliness of the inescapable inescapable nihilism that surrounds him, Martin embraces his shameful stigmatization, romanticizing the life of a vampire through daydreams of a, of a world equally as chaotic as his own, yet somehow more coherent. These fantasies parallel a childlike desire to return to simpler times, a time when heroes and villains were clearly defined and the complexities of the adult world were far away. This is in essence the central theme of Martin. As the world falls apart and, and chaos overtakes things, people take refuge in escapism. Whether it's fantasies about being a vampire, going back, to, back and thinking about the good old days and archaic religious dogma, or even seeking out others to save yourself from your own loneliness, Martin is essentially the bridge between, between childhood and adulthood. The youthful dreams of mystical creatures such as vampires and Santa Claus to the soul-crusting realities of adulthood when you realize that there is no magic in the real world. Very well put. Thank you. Yeah, there's so much to talk about this movie. There's so many layers to it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's easier just to watch it than explain uh, it. Oh, yeah. Highly recommended. One out of one out of ten from both of us. It, and, and definitely George Romero's most underrated film. Now, we know not every person likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do. So, we like to give every B-movie review an A-movie companion and tell you why this B-movie and A-movie are the same film, just of different standards and quality. For me, I picked the 2008 film, I use that term lightly, Twilight. Twilight? You're comparing Twilight to Martin? That's, that's shameful. You bring shame to this podcast. Anyways, I picked the 1976 film Taxi Driver by Martin Scorsese. Well, I have to say, both Twilight and Martin are films that revolve around a different kind of vampire. In Twilight, a vampire is apparently a sparkling, cradle-robbing bitch. And in Martin, the 
Vampire is a shy, nerdy, cat burglar-esque serial killer. In both films, the quote-unquote vampires live normal, everyday lives. Either, you know, as a student or as a shop clerk. In both films, the vampire falls in love with a girl or lady who is much younger than he is. In Martin, Martin says he's 84 and falls in love with a middle-aged woman. And in Twilight, fuck that shit. Both films involve forks. In Twilight, it's the town that they live in. In Martin, they use forks to eat stuffed cabbage. Wow, really? Both films feature a location with the same name as a historical general. In Twilight, the town of Forks is in Washington State, bearing the same name as General George Washington. And in Martin, they live in the town of Braddock, named after General Edward Braddock. And both films feature someone swinging as if playing baseball. In Twilight, the so-called vampires swing baseball bats during thunderstorms because they're fucking idiots. And in Martin, he swings a lead pipe like a baseball bat to kill a hobo because he wants to drink blood. And that's why Twilight and Martin are the same film. Wow, I, I don't even know where to begin with that, but you've brought great shame to this podcast. Anyways, I picked Taxi Driver because both movies revolve around a character who lives in an impoverished area of a city in the 1970s. Martin lives in Braddock, Pennsylvania, which at the time had been suffering from an economic decline due to decline due to loss of industry, and Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver lives in an impoverished area of New York City. It was, it was the 1970s. Every part of New York City was impoverished. Every part of everything was impoverished. <laughs> the protagonists of both films spend a good portion of their time watching other people, trying to understand the world around them that seems alien to them. Martin walks around doing odd jobs for people and delivering packages for his cousin, and Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver works as a taxi driver, no surprise there, and notes all the crime, depravity, and overall lack of moral structure that plagues his area of the city. Both movies have an overarching theme of the inherent need for purpose and social connect in one's life, and how the absence of, of these things leads to the feelings of disconnect and ultimately result in self, self-aggrandizement and delusions of grandeur. Martin's loneliness and rejection by his family um, leads, by, from their oppressive religious beliefs leads to his belief that he is a vampire. His embrace in, in this supernatural identity serves as an escapism from his nihilistic existence of 1970s Pennsylvania, providing, providing, a sense of, providing him with a sense of identity that he was clearly lacking. Travis's observations of the debauchery and hedonistic searches for pleasure throughout the city led to his self-appointed identity as a kind of, of modern cowboy-like character with, who felt he was obliged to eradicate the lowlives and exploiters of innocence surrounding him. Both Martin and Travis managed to have some kind of impact in the lives of others, which, while small in scope, was nonetheless profound in its, old, in its own way. Throughout the film, Martin, Martin would relay his vampire exploits to a nightly radio station. At the, at the end of the film, we learn that Martin's stories were not only entertaining to the listeners of the radio show, but managed to connect with several different people who Martin had no personal relationship to. This is demonstrated by multiple calls calls voicing concerns over Martin's, um, who is known as a count, 
of Count's abrupt disappearance and speculations over his fate. During the penultimate moment in Taxi Driver, Travis led one, a one-man assault on a child prostitution ring, which freed the child prostitute Iris, allowing her to live a normal life with her parents. Although this wasn't the big societal change that Travis wished for, it was necessary and an important change that benefited an individual in ways that really no one else could have done. And finally, both movies came out in 1976. No matter what IMDb, Wikipedia, and the back of the DVD case say on Martin, it came out in 1976 because that's what the D- that's what the movie says. Yes, that, that that's the copyright date in the credits. Yes. So if you want to see an A movie version of Martin, watch Taxi Driver. And if you have a copy of Twilight, please burn it. Burn it with fire. And just watch Martin, because it's a much better movie. Exactly. Now, if for some reason you have the inkling to drink away the flick, drink away the flick, come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick for the movie Martin. Here are some ways you can drink away the flick. But remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time the family shame is mentioned, take a drink. Number two, Every time Martin dispels a vampire myth, take a drink. Number three, every time Martin uses a needle, take a drink. Number four, whenever you see boobs, take a drink. Number five, of course, because it's George Romero month, anytime something comes back from the dead or is referred to as dead, take a drink. And friends, the word Nosferatu counts in this case as it is associated with the undead. Every time Martin imagines slash remembers a scene of him doing vampire stuff, take a drink. It's easy to see, because it's in black and white. Oh, yeah. Every time Martin says, there is no magic, take a drink. Every time the word vampire is uttered, take a drink. And every time you see blood, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this flick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-movie related, you can leave a comment on either our... either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter handle at bmoviepaul. Also check out our other reviews and shows. We have new content each week, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website, bmoviebros.com. If you want to support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. Well, we've seen three movies so far this month. I think it's time to rank them. All right. For me, number three. The correct date of 1973 for the film The Crazies. It's a good film. I I have nothing other to say. Number two. Night of the Living Dead from 1968. It's a wonderful film. It has sparked many, many, many films in its likeness. But uh, number one for me has to be Martin. The characters, the storytelling, the setting... Just everything seems to work out so perfectly in this 1976 feature that I I don't think I could have a movie this month top it. I, my list is actually exactly the same. For number three, I picked The Crazies. It's a good film in its own right, but unfortunately is overshadowed by number two, which is Night of the Living Dead. The first zombie film, or what is considered the first zombie film, and it stands up even till today and really made a name for itself and created a new genre. How can you beat that? Except for the fact that number one is Martin. Martin, in my opinion, shows just what a genius George Romero was. 
it shows just how well he can he can construct a story, how he can have so many layers to what seems to be such a simplistic plot, and just overall how great of a filmmaker he was. So, next week as we conclude George Romero Tribute Month, we're going to take one last ride with his 1981 classic, Night Riders. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Oh.